Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq El Amin, and you can keep up with us on social media. You will find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. Use that same username to find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify. Uh, just keep going down the list. You will find us at Radio Islam USA. So make sure that you subscribe, rate, review, and what's the most important thing? Share. That's right. Make sure you share. Now, before we start, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Recycle Processes, for your continued support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, folks, I am happy to have joining me in studio Fatima Hussein. She is the DV lead and DV stands for domestic violence, uh, domestic violence lead advocate with Arab American Family Services and her colleague, Jenna Nasr. Uh, so I thank you both for being here. Uh, we are closing out Domestic Violence Awareness Month, um, October. This is the, well, we have one more day, right? One more day left. Uh, and this is also a month, uh, so there's two, two things, I guess two themes that we have, right? We also have, this is also Breast Cancer Awareness Month as well. Um, but uh, I'm glad that you all are here to talk about something that, uh, quite often, even though our listenership is not uh, just Muslims, you know, we've got people of all faiths who listen, but this is something that I think touches every community. Uh, and, you know, it's not bound by faith tradition, ethnicity. Uh, and so I'm really glad to hear you, uh, have you all here to talk about uh, the work that you all have been, do- been doing and kind of fill us in on what has this month looked like for you all. Well, honestly, thank you very much for having us here. Um, I'm happy to talk about domestic violence. I know we, we have breast cancer, and I'm not trying to sit there and say that that's not important, but I think that that's so well-known and so globalized that DV gets shadowed in, and, and it's not talked about, and it's not showing how important and how much of an effect it has on the community, every community, from, you want to say, poverty-level people to beyond rich people. Like, millionaires have been dealing with it. We see that with celebrities have been dealing with, you know, um, domestic violence. So thank you very much for having us here. Well, it's definitely our pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for having us here. I do appreciate it. Um, bringing awareness for domestic violence is one of our biggest things, especially in the auto community. Um, we do support everybody, not just the auto community. Our name is Auto American Family Services, and we do serve um, every race, every ethnicity, and et cetera. Um, but what has DV Awareness Month has bought to us? Um, it has bought a lot of tears, a lot of happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still continuing to spread awareness it's not just in the month of october but we concentrate a lot in the month of october we make sure we're all wearing purple we make sure we have purple everywhere um we also have pink too we do uh, mix our events together um but it is like shadowed kind of by breast cancer i do appreciate that um a lot of events that we do we usually have our big uh domestic violence and breast cancer awareness uh walk and that happened october 5th um it was it turned out really well we had a, a lot of vendors um and we had a lot of people from the community join and the people that didn't join uh they still stopped by and looked at our event and took notice of domestic violence so what does it mean to be a lead advocate um is that more an outward facing um you know responsibility uh you know getting other people to recognize to reconcile their maybe their disbelief or rejection of domestic violence or intimate partner violence or is it about kind of holding the hands of folks who are in those situations and providing uh, providing services, let, letting them know that there is support for them. 
and for us, the lead is we also have a big team that is with Arab Americans, so we are the senior advocates that work with them and overshadow and like overlook the work that they do and help them continue to grow mm -hmm. and to make sure that everything is running smoothly. And then we go outreach and we do the meetings and we do the um, direct services. Um, direct services with them. So we okay. just overlook everything. So we're just like the as you want to say, the lead is like another term for like supervisor style. Right. Just overlooking, making sure everything's running smoothly, and if anybody has any questions or concerns, and go. Um, if clients are wanting to understand something a little bit better, and they feel like, okay, yeah, I would like to talk to your supervisor, like your lead, we jump in and sit there and say, how can we help a little bit more, and do you need some more understanding of something else? So, so the book, the book sort of stops with you guys. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, somebody says, let me talk to, let me talk to your supervisor. Yeah, it right? would be us, and you, then above the us is the wonderful, um, our wonderful bosses. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, also, we're kind of like a support system, uh, especially working in DV. Sometimes it can combine. It can kind of be hard for our advocates to be working with that, like us too, because we also do direct services. Um, so we're there to support them, make sure that they're still taking care of their self care. You know, not going home, like thinking about the issues that we uh, are presented to us. Um, so we're just making sure that everything runs smoothly in the office and making sure our staff is on the same page, and then they're reflecting back to us and debriefing about their day. Okay. When it comes to direct services and dealing with uh, folks, and we know the majority, at least the face of uh, intimate partner violence, uh, direct uh, domestic violence, it is women, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, and we know that uh, there are also men affected by uh, DV, right? Yes, but yeah. primarily it is something that disproportionately affects and yeah. historically has disproportionately affected you know, women. Um, when it comes to providing those direct services, how important uh, how, how how do you find ways to I guess mitigate some of the uh, I guess the sadness or the the trauma the frustration the confusion how do you how do you find ways to push back against that or to not have that overtake you it's kind of hard to uh, be honest um, it's super hard but how in my personal like how I do it when I work with victims um, I let them know that I understand which is hard to say because they probably think like you don't understand but because I know somebody that was in a DV relationship and I understand what they're coming from and just letting them know that like everything is between us I feel like that's a big thing especially in our community is the confidentiality because we're so small as a community I mean we're small and big as a community but things go around really fast so just make sure the confidentiality is there um confidentiality is huge it's it's uh, by law it's a class A misdemeanor if we break that confidentiality and the only way we could break that confidentiality is if she puts harm to herself, threatens harm to herself, harm to another person, child abuse or elder abuse. Mm -hmm. So that's the only time, and we always disclose that to the clients before they even, like when we introduce ourselves, yeah. so they understand that they have a right to say and, and what to say and what not to say. If they want to withhold information, they have that right, because it's their story to tell. Um, but confidential, and I think people are worried about confidentiality because like she said, the community is huge, but very little at the same time. Everybody knows somebody, connected to somebody and they're worried that their story is going to be out there right. we cannot do that and we will not do that yeah and another uh sorry back to the, the question because i feel like we kind of went off topic um sorry i apologize <laughs> right, for no that problem. um another way is like sometimes i probably do cry but i let them know that we're going to do everything to make sure that they have all their rights because i feel like we don't know our rights and just providing them their rights is like a big thing so knowing i know i i know my rights and i know their rights and just showing them that um shows a big thing but i sometimes do cry with my victims because mm -hmm. it's hard it's hard not to um especially 
especially in our in our Muslim community. It really affects me a lot. Um, but just letting them know that I'm there with them and I'm not judging them um, kind of makes them feel like, okay, she knows what she's doing and she's there to help me. Right. I would actually think, and, and I, I speak from my own personal experience of having to uh, counsel uh, individuals who have been or, or or trying to get themselves out of those types of relationships mm-hmm. that I mean the reality is as a human being it's very difficult not to be uh, not to be effective mm-hmm. you know so you know I've cried yeah <laughs> you know, and, and, you know it's okay to cry you it, know it, it happens um, but in terms of being able to support people uh, and, and make them feel like making that next step is possible uh, one of the things that I have I've read that it normally takes a a woman four times to leave a domestic yeah. uh, an abusive relationship. Actually, statistically, seven. it's seven. 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 Statistically, it's seven. Wow. And sometimes it can lead to the point of where they're um, killed. And uh, we've, yeah, it's 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 more seven ta- seven wow. out of ten times they go back. Um, like how we help them out is. We cannot, like, we don't promise them that we're gonna do something. Right. We can't because we don't know what the outcome is. Like I said, we deal with the legal department. We also go to court. Right. And we help them with orders of protection to you know, save them, to protect them from that. Mm-hmm. But we also just educate them, like, this is a process. It's gonna be a process, but you just, her just coming to our office saying that she wants help is a huge step. And I don't think a lot of the clients and a lot of the victims don't see that it's such a huge step for the, to just to sit and say, hey, can you help me out? Because a lot of times they nobody even knows that that abuse is happening at home. Mm-hmm. They've been dealing with it for 10 years before they come to us because they just like, they just had the final straw. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for them, and we celebrate that. I tell them, like, okay, you might have lost this, but you did not lose because you took that step to do that. Right. You went from dealing with it privately to expressing it outwardly. To me, that's like, that's a major, major step in the right direction. Now, I don't want to, um, I'm not asking this to put anybody on front street, um, but I think it's I think it's an important question to ask when we think about the way our communities are structured and uh, the the role of our institutions. You know, we talk about our, our masjids in particular. Have you had women come to you uh, looking for, you know, for help, and they tell you that, they've gone to the masjid and spoke to whoever it is and been turned away. They've been told to be obedient, to endure, to whatever. They didn't get a response that allowed them to extricate themselves from the situation. We have had clients like that sit and say that they have struggled with getting information from the imam that they go to. Um, and they don't know where to go to after that. So we sit there and say, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I don't give them any religious advice because I am not in that part. But I sit there and say, our important job, the most important job for us is to keep you safe. Right. So if you could not get help one way, we're going to see if we can help you out. Like just like the other, like last week, which is I'm going to put Jenna, which she did something great. A woman came in and she was not getting help from anybody. And then she was able to get her shelter. She was able to put her somewhere safe where this woman like, that now is not worried about what's her next meal, what's next going on, and herself. And so, yes, sometimes we have struggled with the outward community and nobody wanting to help around and looking at her because saying, oh no, she's exiled kind of thing. And then we sit there and say, we don't care. We're helping you out. Yeah. 
um, with our meds, with we have two near us. Um, we used to have a couple issues with them saying like trying to work it out with the husband, trying to say he's your husband and you know you just need to uh, fix it, you need to listen to him. That's what you do as a wife. Um, and then they still come to us and they bring that to us. Um, I think we gained a lot of awareness with the meds and we actually just had a seminar with them and speaking on the chutzpah on Friday chutzpahs um, regarding domestic violence and bringing awareness to community. So I feel like now they're working they're working hand in hand with us oh, to awesome. change the community. Yeah, awesome. um, but it was a bumpy road with them. Um, and I don't I don't think it's from Islam. I think it's a bias issue. I don't really think. I mean, we we do say the sheikh shouldn't be having shouldn't be biased. Right. But it, it's human nature. We all have those biases. Right. Um, and then when we bring the realization to them, they are starting to understand. So that's a good thing. And we're getting to that that level. And the whole idea of gender role. Yeah. Gender role is a mm-hmm. huge thing that puts people on the who's gonna get help and who's not gonna get help and where's your spot in the culture. You know what I mean? Like sometimes culture overrides religion. Yeah. Where the culture and is the culture of the people that you are married to. It's not the you know, it could be the community around you or it could be that specific person you married. Right. And their view on culture. Yeah, they become indistinguishable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you must, you know, uh, to talk about some of the uh, the wraparound services that uh, that that AFS provides, because when you think about somebody leaving an abusive household, uh, especially when children are involved, mm-hmm. especially when a part of the or the the physical violence is uh, exacerbated by financial violence, yeah. with you know they don't have access to their own money. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the services that that, that you all provide that take that, that type of reality into consideration. So we actually do offer a lot of money, a lot of services to our DV clients, and not just our DV clients. We offer to a lot of our clients that are not in a domestic violence relationship. But in our DV department, what we offer is we offer rental assistance, um, depending on their situation, and it goes based on you know who really needs it first because we have a, cer- a certain amount of money that we can help. We do help them put in shelters, um, shelters that are accepting, especially if they have kids, because sometimes. I mean, for example, the one that she was talking about was pregnant nine months, so we didn't want her to have a baby in the car where she was staying. So shelter. Um, if they're green card, card holders, they can apply for medical card and SNAP. On the medical card and SNAP, SNAP is link card. Um, when they apply for those, there is a domestic violence button that you can click on there that can help victims of domestic violence. And if they're green card holders and can accept can apply for those because they haven't been here for a certain amount of time. We do help them with immigration. There's U visa and U VAWA um, for victims of domestic violence that can get approved for that. Wow. Um, yeah, there's so many services. We actually have counseling because uh, sometimes it's you know it takes a lot of time to talk about your feelings and we have counseling for me- with mental health. Um, what else do we offer? We offer, we have so much stuff. It's like oh, trying to bounce off the back a, of my head. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's a mouthful already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> aspect of, uh, if we deal with clients of elder abuse, yeah. we have an elderly department, and we, we have encountered really? clients with elder abuse. Yeah. Which you said, like, a lot of times that happens when they have caretakers. Right, right. And they take the advantage of it. And uh, what we also help with our clients is um, we help them in the legal aspect of mm-hmm. it. So we help them in the core aspect of getting order protection. Divorce and child and, support. And uh, child support, divorce. We help them understand what their rights are and what they, we ask them, what do you want to do and what's your next step? So we try to create a plan with them mm-hmm. and we go down that plan of what they want to do. So the good thing about it is that they don't know, they're afraid to go down to the courthouse. Knowing that they have advocates that speak the same language that, that could help them out is huge for them because they never would think that they could go down that route. Right, yeah. right. And then letting them know that even if they're 
immigrants, they have a right to still go to the courthouse and access those. Um, and again, with financial, because you mentioned financial, with child support too, we make sure that they have, they can get that needs from the, the respondent or the offender. Um, even if they get paid under the counter, we still try working with the lawyers. We do actually do third parties, so we help with uh, getting obtaining lawyers for free. For example, like one of them is Lifespan, so we work hand in hand with Lifespan to get um, services for them if they can't afford a lawyer. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, now, it's great to hear that you all have this, uh, it sounds like a really healthy relationship with uh, the Massachusetts, uh, you know, and recognizing that this is a problem for the community. Um, do you still find that there are people or organizations or whatever that are uh, in denial? Oh, oh you yes, know? 100%. Yeah. Definitely. We're, we still and get called uh, the divorce company. Yeah, because really? yeah, <laughs> yeah. We believe that they believe that we're like we're out to like, divorce families and break up families. Yeah, that's not our goal. We like people don't see that domestic violence is not an overnight thing. People fail to see that this stuff happens for years right. before the woman even speaks or the victim even speaks, and even the children. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we see that the children are copying the behaviors of their of the abuser. Yeah. Toward their own mother. Yeah. And they would sit there and say, like, you know what, well, dad does it, so I can do it. And mm. so, yeah, it's, it's tough. So do those services extend? You mentioned you yeah. know, have counseling, uh, mental health services. Yeah. Uh, are those also offered for if, you know, say if a woman does have children, uh, are the children able to also yeah. get yes. counseling? Yes. Yeah, and we also have a sexual assault department, um, and they offer counseling in the sexual assault department also. Okay. Yeah. In, our, in the community, um, sexual assault, but they don't think that marital rape is sexual assault. So yeah, a lot of times they thing. sit there and say like, oh no, sexual assault, they're just thinking like somebody from the random, you know, you're going out with somebody. No, they don't think that being literally raped by your husband is a form of assault. Forcing you to do things that are, whether cultural is un-Islamic yeah. and telling you, you, you better do because you must obey. You know, that kind of, and that's what we, we work with clients like that. So yeah. I'm really happy about that department too. Yeah, and also in like the Muslim community that we're constantly seeing with sexual assault is it's family. Um, it's not outsiders, it's family. And knowing that it's okay to speak about the abuse with somebody and not accepting that from your uncle or your brother or your dad um, or sometimes your mother, uh, those are not okay. And it's not okay to use a religion against that. Like what we're like into counting is like, uh, victims come in and say, well, I get scared because they're going to use religion against me. I'm not going to be able to get married in the future and et cetera. Right. So we see that a lot in the Muslim community. Where do the, do, where do the bulk of your clientele um, come from? Is there a particular area? Uh, I know you're situated in, uh, in Bridgeview, mm-hmm. right? So Actually, do you have folks? Now. We moved. We where moved are you now? In Worth. Get Seven, out of here. 7,000 West on Street. Street. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Shame we're on in, me. We're, it's we're okay. Worth, we, no, we were in Bridgeview for a long time, but we yeah. moved um, in 2018 in, like, was it November? I'm not even going to edit this out. I'm, I'm just going to let it sit there. In November. I so dropped the ball. That's okay. Um, no, but we moved in, like, um, the new location is great because it's much bigger and we were able to um, give our clients a safe space yeah. to talk. And in particular, I think about um, spaces like this where they have... Uh, folks that can be culturally responsive that can speak, you know, if you have folks, folks who are speaking uh, Arabic, mm-hmm. uh, that they can come in and speak to somebody who, you know, who can communicate with them effectively. Yeah. Um, are you are you having folks that are, are traveling, you know, distances mm-hmm. to come and get your services? Yeah. We have some from Skokie coming to us. Um, Northside, everywhere. Northside, yeah. 
Our staff is in, in even from that. the south. We had one from Carbondale. Um, yeah. Wow. All the way down south, we yeah. yeah so it's coming here and yeah, and getting the help and we're able to leave and flee, mm-hmm. and come here and you know get the help. Um, we have staff in the three courthouses so far, and we're trying to go into another one. Um, but we do have staff in Rolling Meadows, so it goes from Worth to Rolling Meadows to Bridgeview and to the Chicago. Five five West Harrison. Yeah. Five West Harrison. Wow. Yeah. So wow. we have we have a good amount of staff that would be able to help out anybody that goes in there. Also, mm-hmm. yeah, we also do police outreach too. Um, so we do have like some of the officers. If uh, there's no Arabic speaking um, officer on duty, they will call our hotline and we become bilingual advocates for the officer. And the reason why we do that is so we can help draft our report and make sure the victim is. Well, the victim is being understand by the officer. So we do that also. Yeah. Okay, so I, I'm gonna ask a very important question. Are you all open 24 hours a day? Because yeah. uh, it's- <laughs> the, agency, the agency, no, but we do have a hotline. Um, and I could give the hotline out there. Please the, do. It's 708-945-7600. If they didn't hear you, say that again. 708-945-7600. Okay, we'll, we'll do it one more time. <laughs> 708-945-7600. Okay, and that is a 24-hour hotline. If they have questions and dealing with fear, obviously if it's a really dangerous situation, call 911. Right. But if you have questions and, and you want to know and you don't know how to reach us because our offices are closed at, from 9 to 5, I mean, we're open until 9 to 5, you call that hotline and advocates will be up. So when I think about advocacy, um, I, I, you know, I, I think the natural association is education. Right? Um, yes. How important uh, is that area? Is is education, and how do you go about educating uh, not just those who might need the services, but just the community at large? How do you go about that? Oh, we have events all the time, all the time. Like we go to schools, mm-hmm. we work with the hospitals. Which is we do um, like I said uh, we do have outreach with the massage the, the, to talk to them and bring awareness to them, um, but we always try to have some kind of events and every event we have we talk about our services to reach out and we send it out there and we also put our information at the police stations, you know, okay. and they yeah. have like a little pull a tab the number and then they could call and the police officers know so they reach out to us. Yeah, and then some of our clients are referred from our case management department. Um, so when a new client comes in, we usually disclose all the off like we we let them know about all the things we offer our agency and uh, sometimes when we say DV our domestic violence department sometimes uh, the victim or the client will disclose to that case manager and they'll refer us refer them to our DV department so that's how we kind of get some of our numbers too okay and how how long would you say the typical or or is there a typical length of association for a uh, for a client oh. uh, because we, you know you, you hear about the, we, the process of getting out uh, yeah. you know the, the wraparound services it could go from one month to seven years seven years mm-hmm. yeah wow it's all depending on the because, case because like a lot of times it's a lot of the abuse like they, they don't people don't see financial abuse as a form of abuse yeah it is and yeah. to control all the money and having a person here that doesn't speak the language and not letting them learn the language you're keeping them controlled and you keep them in that environment and so that's one way of, of keeping somebody in that form of control like okay they can't speak let me let me pause let me uh, uh, sister yeah. Fats, let, let me let me go back I'm sorry not letting them learn the language yeah, yeah they don't let them take ESL classes 
which we offer they at our have, agency. And, and they have, like, we... Jeff, say that again. <laughs> I said, which we offer at our agency. Okay, so... ESL and civic classes. Um, but they, they control them to that point. Like, it's, you see, and like I said, working in DB, you see the, all kinds of ways that they get controlled mm-hmm. to the point where the phone is controlled. Right. You can see what's on that phone and what could go in and go out of that phone. So you can't teach yourself something unless you're going to try to teach yourself from your children's school books. Right. You know? So we've had it to the point where, like, and all the money is controlled by them, so they can't, they are, like, documented down to the dime. I gave you $100, and you're going to make that, you're going to make it, you know, work. Where she can't even take a little bit of money outside without it being counted. So how can they get out from that relationship? So when they do say something because they can't handle it anymore, they come to court, and then now who's going to pay the bills? Well, I'm going to stop paying the rent. I'm going to stop paying the bill. I'm going to stop paying this. It forces them to go back. So that's a whole cycle of seven out of ten times to go back because financial plays such a huge role. Mm. Now, uh, AAFS also works on uh, legislation or yes. trying to influence policy. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, we, we, we tend to try to go to Springfield and, and, and educate the community because we don't tell anybody what to say and like who to vote for and whatnot. We'll never do that. But we do educate so and say there's this law coming out mm-hmm. um, that's going to say equal parenting right and this might be a huge problem, but equal parenting right amongst divorces. Right. Is that beneficial for DV clients? Mm. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah. Is, is, is that's that problematic. Where the, that's where they control them because then he's going to have control of the kids and then he's not going to give them money or he's going to sit there and tell the kids and it puts that control. Like, why should he get rights when he's mistreating her so badly and not paying for anything, but the judge is going to allow him to have the same amount of rights as her? Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, it's like sometimes they, they're very lenient in that department so that's why we like we sit there and say hey community wake up look at understand that the the differences between a regular divorce right just because something didn't work out compared to a domestic violence divorce and the woman left because of safety and fear so you're trying to include that as a consideration in uh saying hey when you vote look at these look at look what this this person is going for and this is like go put in like you're not a, you're an opponent you're a proponent you're you're for it you're against it and we educate the community read the bill and vote oh, okay so i'm asking that for whoever is the author of that piece of legislation yeah. uh, they considered adding you know yeah. uh you know language in there that takes into account you know dv as a as a, a reason for uh divorce and a reason for you know uh you know, the children, you know, have, have they taken that into consideration? Yeah, well, the Marriage Act now, they, they changed it in 2016. You can't, you can't put down, like, domestic violence as a, as a, as a reason. Like, it's all irreconcilable differences. Like, there's, there's, you cannot put a specific reason like you used to. It changed it to, so you could sit there and sometimes you could sit there and say, he's abused me, you know, for the past 10 years, and that's why I'm leaving. No, you just, you're divorcing because it just didn't work out. They don't give specific reasons anymore. Wow. So yeah. This so is the law, the law, the law has me. changed. So that's why I sit there and say we do try to educate, and we even tell our advocates to read up on the laws, and we do send it out there so that people could know. And like the whole idea of sexual assault in schools, you know, like you've seen how it was in uh, Chicago public schools that they covered up. Right. Educating them, like, hey, read the laws so you could educate yourself so that we can have a better future. And then also I want to tie in that with the order protections too. Sometimes when they get order protections, they usually get transferred to a different courtroom or a courthouse and to like make sure that your order protection stays valid um, when it's changing courthouses, make sure that the child support or 
seeing the kid supervision is how it's all like drafted out because sometimes the guy or I shouldn't say the guy the responder or the offender would ask to see the children but then they're covered on the order of protection and then it's kind of like merges so like knowing your rights on the order of protection knowing your rights in divorce knowing your rights in child support because they all tie into each other mm -hmm. and then when it gets all consolidated into one case it kind of something kind of falls off so okay. making sure that you always mention it back to the judge or making sure that uh it's still being taken seriously hmm. is it hard to maintain orders of protection no 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 not like, like, it, like it depends on if you're looking at pressures from the families yes yeah. pressure from cultures like a lot of times our clients would sit there and say no no i don't need that anymore we had to sit down you know like in some cultures you have a conversation between families and we worked it all out right. i'm like we try to educate educate the client saying yeah you could drop it or you could change it and modify it to make it less like he could see the kids he could talk to you but there's still this form of protection where if he hurts you, you could call the police and he violated it, which becomes a different offense. Right. And educate him that way where they sit there and say, oh, well, okay, I like that one too, though. I could still have the piece of paper and you could still see the kids. Definitely. Right. A lot of people think order protection is, that's it, stay away from me, don't want to see me again, you'll never see the kids again. No. You could work it in a way that could be beneficial. Of course, me, I would try to make it more beneficial for the victim right. than the respondent. But... We could work. We could come to a compromise, and the victim's still happy. Hmm. So, uh, like I said, this month is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Yeah. Got one day left. You guys have been very busy throughout this month, uh, but it doesn't seem like you will be slowing down. No, on no. November first. Actually, we have a visual today. We're, we're just remembering and honoring the clients that we've been working with yeah so we have one this afternoon and then um tomorrow we're gonna have a campaign it says uh um what love looks like and you're gonna, we're gonna, ah. you can see our wonderful staff on our um facebook pages and our um web page having a a board and sit there and say what we feel love is like mm. what mm. love looks like so yeah what love looks like i, I don't want to close out on a on a low note but I think in terms of awareness yeah. uh, I just want the listeners to understand the gravity of what we're talking about here can you give us an idea of how pervasive domestic violence is in society um, like what's what's you know how often is it occurring um, so statistically it's one in four women have been in an abusive relationship and one in seven men haven't been in an abusive relationship when we say abusive it's not just uh, another sex against another sex it could be a man on a man it could be your father on your son an uncle on your aunt it's anything domestic hmm. um can i actually explain what domestic Please? can be right so ahead. when we are filling out order protections in court a domestic relationship can be sharing a common dwelling uh sharing uh, blood through marriage um sharing a child in common mm -hmm. um ex-boyfriend ex-girlfriend ex-husband ex-fiance yeah. um and those are pretty much the, the options that you have to choose. Okay. Yeah. Um, Fatima, Jenna, I appreciate both of you being here. Before we sign off, can you uh, let the Radio Islam family know where they can find you on social media, your website, and please do repeat that phone number to that hotline again. Okay, uh, we're located at 7000 West 111th Street, Suite um, 300, Worth, Illinois. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram at Arab American Family Services. On Instagram, it's AAFSIL. Um, and, and Twitter. And Twitter also, Arab American Family Services. And the hotline number is 708 
845-765-7600. Okay. All right. Well, I definitely appreciate um, the work that you all are doing on behalf of folks who, who are often, you know, kind of marginalized and unable to advocate for themselves. So please keep up the great work. And, uh, and, and and come back and let us know, you know, if there's anything that, that we can do to, you know, to, or, or, or we can just listen to some some of the successes uh, that you all have. Yeah, thank you so much. tomorrow at Facebook Live when we go, when we start putting our pictures on the, and start liking us. Okay, yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you for our pleasure. Us. Appreciate it. All right, family, we thank you all for joining us for another edition of Radio Islam. Our guests have been Fatima Hussein and Jenna Nasser. They are both domestic violence lead advocates with AAFS, that is Arab American Family Services, and we thank them for taking the time to talk with us. I'm your host and producer, Tariq el Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and are to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. With that, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.